welcome to episode 5 of the So Video Games Podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. We are recording November 6th, 2016. My name is Brad Galloway. I'm the editor of GameCritics.com, and I'm also 50% of this here show. With me, as always, is another member of the Game Critics staff, Corey Motley. Uh, Corey, how you doing, sir? Hello, Brad. I am doing well. How are you? Doing fine, doing fine. You know, as usual, we start the show with a few minutes of generic banter, but don't worry, folks. We don't go overboard. Corey, you're up first. Give me some banter, buddy. Well, I, uh, Omaha, Nebraska, I didn't realize this until a few days ago, hosts an anime convention every year called NebraskaCon. I guess it's called Anime NebraskaCon, technically. And I went yesterday for the first time ever. I thought it would be a cool idea to go and photograph cosplay, um, because I try to use my camera as much as I can for stuff. And it was pretty cool. I had a good time. It's like a three-day convention. They have panels and sometimes some guests, and they've got a big vendor area. I'm sure it's like one one-thousandth the size of probably like Comic-Con or something like that. But it was neat walking around through crowds and seeing a bunch of cosplay. I was worried it was going to be a bunch of like, because I'm not into anime per se, so I was worried it was going to be a bunch of like obscure anime characters that I'd never heard of. But it, there was actually a lot of video game stuff, a lot of... Uh, just like uh, animated movie uh, characters and stuff like that. Um, so I felt like I could actually recognize some people. I took some pictures, I posted them on my Twitter, and uh, I had a pretty good time. Um, that's probably the most relevant thing I've done lately. Um, so tell me about you. What's going on in your life? Oh, man. Well, before we do that, I, I am curious because we actually are kind of a... Okay, okay. I don't want to say we're a cosplay family, but my son loves to dress up like different stuff. We've talked about this before on the show. Yep. And as he gets older, the costumes get more and more innate. I think that we probably will eventually kind of become like a cosplay family. Um, not necessarily anime, but like, you know, probably video game stuff because that's what we're into. Have you ever... Uh done cosplay yourself Corey? have you thought about it any any interest there for you sir i've thought about it but to be honest i don't really have like the opportunity to do it except for i guess now that i know that nebraskan is a thing because i had thought in the past about um cosplaying as cole from the infamous series because he's like oh, they're gonna say cole from gears of war no I was like, whoa that's, no that's a bold choice no um yeah let me lift weights for like 30 years and then i can do yeah. that <laughs> come back when you're 400 pounds of muscle buddy. yeah right um i've thought about doing cole or maybe doing like a gender bent version of faith from year's edge because i you know used to do parkour and i can still do some stuff so it would be kind of fitting for me but uh i've never actually like you know taken a single step toward you know making a costume or gathering any any ingredients for it i've just given it a tiny bit of thought here and there um but that's probably it for me i think right on right on all right cool as for me um it's been an incredibly busy week um i'm usually a pretty busy guy but i took on a couple side projects recently to try to earn a couple extra bucks for christmas time since christmas is you know i mean it sounds weird to say it but like right around the corner it's already november and as I got in the middle of some of these projects, I'm like, oh, God, overcommitted, uh, took on too much. This is dangerous. I'm drowning. Uh, but I did actually have time to go and see Doctor Strange in the movie theater. And I'm whispering that because my son doesn't know that we went to go see it. Oh, no. So, you know, we, we see most of the Marvel movies together as a family. But this one, I was like, I don't know if this is going to be appropriate or not. And so we're like, ah. Eh. Let's, let's me and the wife go see this on our own. So that's why I'm whispering right now. Hopefully this picks up on the microphone. Oh, it will. 
But it ended up being a great time. Really liked it a lot. I thought that uh, Cumberbund Bandersnatch did a great job <laughs> as the, the main as Doctor Strange. Uh, his accent, American accent, I thought it was going to be weird because I've seen him as a British person so many times, but it was fine. Uh, the effects were really cool. I thought it was a good interpretation of the comics character, and it was really a fun, fun movie. Another, another big hit for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But I will say. I, for some reason, when I was ordering the tickets, I specifically ordered not 3D because I'm not a big fan of 3D. And when we got to the theater, we ended up being in a 3D showing. I don't know how that happened, but we were like, well, we're here. This is the time that we have available. We might as well see it because if we don't see it now, we're not going to get another chance for another couple weeks because we're busy. So we went to go see it. We had the 3D on. And I got to say, I, I just don't care for 3D in the theater, man. I don't know about you, but like it wasn't an IMAX. And some people are saying, well, IMAX is better. Uh, maybe so. I, I don't know. But as we were there in the theater, I was like, this is distracting. I mean, it kind of looks okay, but I would have rather just, just watched it normally. Do you uh, ever watch 3D, Corey? 3D movies? Uh, I do sometimes, and I'm probably mostly with you on this. Like, I I prefer just 2D. Part of it is because I don't really care about the 3D effects or the extra price for paying for 3D. And also, I, I know you do too, but I wear glasses. And so if I go see a 3D movie, I, like, I'm pretty sure the 3D glasses are maybe like supposed to fit over your glasses, but I always like put my contacts in just in case. And then like my contacts always dry out in the middle of the movie. And it's just like, I would rather just see it in 2D. But, like, for Mad Max, uh, Mad Max is one of the only movies I've seen more than once in a movie theater. And the first time I saw it 2D, and the second time I saw it 3D, just to, like, change it up a little bit. And, uh, I yeah, I just like 2D movies. I don't... I'm not really into the whole 3D craze, to be honest. Yeah, it was shitty. I had to do double glasses, because I do wear glasses all the time. And it was really... I mean, it wasn't really uncomfortable, but it was uncomfortable. And whenever something came really close to the screen, it felt just distracting like it didn't look cool it just looked like irritating so uh i think that's probably the last time i'm gonna do a 3d movie and like i said i didn't even try to do that one on purpose it just kind of happened that way uh but next time in the future forget it i'm gonna save the extra five or ten bucks or whatever i'm just gonna do a regular 2d good enough for me good enough for me all right that's plenty of banter uh before we get started on this week's episode we would like to invite everybody listening to please send us your thoughts feedback ideas anything else you'd like to you can reach us at the So Video Games Podcast. It's So Video Games Podcast at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter at So Video Games. Have you checked Twitter this week, Corey? Because I haven't checked it in a while. Have you checked it? Uh, yeah, I've sent out a couple tweets from our account and looked at some stuff. Okay, good. So somebody is manning that account because I meant to and I spaced. I just forgot. So apologies if you've sent us some tweets so we haven't got back to you. Maybe, maybe the. Well, Josh, now that I think about it, have we checked the email? I have the email routed to my phone, so yeah, it's uh, we haven't gotten okay, any emails good. that I know of. Damn, you were on it! Of you course. were on it, I love it! Of course so I am. good! <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. Anyway, apparently you can reach us, give that a shot if you want to, whatevs. Um, so we're going to dive into topics, but before we do, I just want to clarify for people listening, although we haven't necessarily specified it, I would like to think of us as a spoiler-free, or at least a heavily, uh, heavily prefaced spoiler show. Corey, are you okay with that? Hold on, with being spoiler, uh, not doing spoilers, or doing spoilers? Without with, without doing spoilers, or if we do spoilers, to give plenty of warning beforehand. That's kind of how I'm thinking about it. Do you agree, sir? Uh, Yeah, probably, except for I like spoiled a bunch of Oxenfree on the last show, so whoops about that. Well, number one, that game sucks. Number two, that w- we were still getting started. We hadn't really like established any ground rules. I don't think you can count that. And Plus, I, that game's like... 
and I did give I I gave a bit of a spoiler warning before I talked about the ending stuff so I guess maybe that's okay you did so okay we haven't really formally discussed it I guess we're formally discussing it now but I think as someone who does not like to be inadvertently spoiled I think that in the interest of the show and of protecting our listeners we are not going to be the kind of show that just randomly drops big ass spoilers in the middle of a discussion Uh, and I bring this up because we talked about Titanfall 2 last week, or I, I basically talked about it mostly because Corey hadn't played it at that time. But in the meantime, in the last seven days, we have both finished it, and we're going to deep dive into that. And that is for sure going to be spoiler-heavy. So um, just a heads up to everybody listening. We are going to be spoiling parts of Titanfall 2, the campaign, but we are going to be saving that topic for last, and we will also give you another warning beforehand. So you can hear most of the show. If you don't want to be spoiled... Stop it when we get to that warning, and then just come back when you finish Titanfall 2. Does that sound fair to you, Corey? Yeah, it's funny, though, that we're talking about spoiling Titanfall 2, because it's not like Titanfall 2 is some, like, hallmark of storytelling or anything. (laughs) Very true, but still. Someone, you know, someone out there doesn't want to be spoiled. If it was me, I probably wouldn't want to be spoiled, so... Let's let's give this a try. Let's see uh, how it goes. And once again, we will give you a warning, and we'll talk about it last, so you can hear the bulk of the show before we get there. Okay. Moving on, um, I know I've talked a bunch. I was going to go first, but instead I talked a lot. Corey, let's jump ahead a little bit and let's talk about some Hitman uh, put out by IO Interactive, published by Square Enix. Came out earlier this year, I believe, episodically. And of all the people I know, I think you are probably Mr. Hitman. So tell us all about it, sir. Oh, my God. So I'm in love with Hitman, just so everybody can know. Um, I've played every game in this series except for the first one hitman codename 47 came out it was pc exclusive and i've played like tiny bits and pieces of it um but a lot of it was remade in hitman contracts was the third game but this is kind of irrelevant um uh io interactive released hitman the the season what they're calling the season finale because they've decided that in this episodic nature of the new hitman they're going to do they're planning to do three distinct seasons and they released the first season finale last week at the time of recording, and it takes place, every episode takes place in a different country, which is uh, sometimes works better in some episodes than others, but the last one takes place in Japan, and this really um, exclusive, like, hospital, I guess, that's, like, up in the snowy mountains, and it's, like, it's just, like, gorgeous, and I... Hey, hang on a second, man, I'm a little, I, you lost me there for a second, okay. and I think it's probably on me more than you. Yeah, so you, you said they just announced three seasons. Yes. This is the first I'm hearing of this. So, like, this year, is this counting as, as season one? And so next year, they're going to do, like, a season two over the course of the year, same episodically? I, I don't think they've given out a ton of, like, uh, detail about it. But I'm guessing that it's going to be probably like that, like, one season per year. Um, because this game launched in, I think it was in March, if I remember, the first episode. Pretty early, yeah. Pretty early this year. And then they do one episode, about one episode a month for the rest of the year. And then that sort of encapsulates the season. So it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest if, you know, when March or maybe April comes around next year, if they release the first episode of season two. But they haven't said anything about it because the physical version... Because it's all been download only so far, but the physical disc version of the game won't be coming out. I think it's coming out in January, I think. Um, So that'll be if you're somebody who doesn't download their games or if you're waiting for the full package to come out um, in January, it'll actually be out on store shelves for you to buy and it'll have all the missions. It should have, um, I guess there's not really any DLC to speak of considering it's all download only, but uh, it should have all the missions. Basically everything you get if you've been playing it month to month. 
like on just on disc but i don't know what they're doing as far as launching season two yet interesting i would be really interested um i know we're kind of derailing from what you're going to talk about i apologize for that but this is really interesting because i i just just now have learned about this when it came out of your mouth um i guess i'm my immediate question is if you have bought hitman stuff so far because i've been downloading it but i have not played it yet because i was waiting for the whole season will i need to buy anything else or will it just be like i just download another episode when it comes around have they have they detailed that you mean just for season one I mean, like, is there, like, a second, like, big buy-in? Or is it just, like, just, like, buying another episode? It seems to me, like, maybe they would just have you buy another episode if you've already got some Hitman content on your hard drive. Like, is there going to be, like, 40 bucks up front and then 5 bucks for each episode? They, have, they probably haven't talked about that, right? Well, I think, I, I don't, I can't remember exactly, but I know that whenever they were doing the pricing for Season 1, the pricing is actually very fair. Um, I don't think... Because at first, when the first episode launched, you could buy what they called the full package, and you basically paid, I think it was $60 up front, and then you just download every episode for free as it comes out every month. But if I remember correctly, um, the episodes are not expensive. It's not like if you buy every episode individually, it's not like you end up paying like $100 or $200. I think if you buy each episode individually, it only you only end up paying like $5 more or something like that, or, or $10 more due to the way they priced it. So... If you just kind of pick and choose what episodes you want, you're not really going to be out that much money rather than buying the full package at the beginning, um, as far as I know. But I don't, I have no idea what happens if, say, you bought episode one and then you wanted to, like, say, skip episode two or three and then buy episode four. I don't know. I have no idea how it works if you just, like, pick and choose what, what episodes you buy. I don't know interesting okay so i haven't played any of the uh this year's hitman i played like the demo and that was it because i was going to wait for the whole thing to come out so i guess before we go further i'm really curious is there a a story or is it just like each episode is its own self-contained thing so far well there is a story and to be honest with you i i can't i couldn't really follow the story along very well because if you're getting delivered a tiny tidbit of story once a month, because basically the episodes are set up like you see like a really cool like CGI sequence and then you play the mission and then there's like a CGI, you know, cutscene after. And that's that's every episode. You get the two cutscenes on either end, you get the episode in the middle, and then in the next episode it's the same thing. You get another an intro cutscene, the mission, an outro cutscene. And by the time I actually finished the new the the season finale of Hitman, I kinda like had no fucking clue what was going on. Which you would think would be a bad thing, but I actually, my, my, the least, the totally the least important thing about Hitman, any Hitman game for me is the story, because what I want out of Hitman is a bunch of levels that probably have nothing to do with each other that just let me do my thing in the universe of Hitman because no no Hitman has had a good story ever. I mean, the Hitman 2 maybe has the best story, and right now I can't even remember much of it, but I just remember there were a bunch of, like, Agent 47 clones at the end of it, and it was kind of interesting because it got a little bit surreal. The same thing with Hitman Contracts, the third game. But the new Hitman, it has a story. I could not follow it along very well. Maybe it's because I'm dumb, or maybe it's because they don't deliver the story very well. But at the end of the day, I don't really care about the story at all, to be honest with you. Interesting. We are actually going to talk about this exact topic a little bit later in the show, so it's interesting that you brought this up. Although, totally, I agree, because I'm also a Hitman fan, like, old-school Hitman fan. I've been, I think I've played every game, except for that very, very first one on PC. And... I've always thought that Hitman never needed a story. In fact, I thought the stories made the games worse. All I want is to be told 
who to kill and then to be set free to go do it. I mean, that's what you're doing. You are a hitman, right? So this sounds exactly like correct. I mean, are you are you appreciating the new episodic uh, format? Oh, totally. I think um, I think the new hitman. And I've been grappling with this in my head a little bit because Hitman Blood Money is the fan favorite, which is the fourth game in the series. It's like the big fan favorite of everybody. And I love Hitman Blood Money, but I actually think the new episodic Hitman is the best the series has ever been. And I feel like people who are fans of the genre or fans of the the franchise, if they do not play this game because it's episodic or because it's download only, like, and and if they're waiting for the disc version, that's fine. But they're really doing a disservice to themselves to uh, by skipping this game because it is so like it's literally my number two game of the year right now. I love this game so much. It's so perfect, and I cannot get the the kind of game that Hitman is. I cannot get that game anywhere else. It is the only franchise that gives me what it gives and i can't find it anywhere else excellent excellent you know i i'm definitely a fan although i feel like the series um took a real dive south with um was it absolution Absolution. that was the uh the real actiony one right that's the right one yeah absolution was bizarre i i really did not like absolution at all and i think that was a major wrong turn for the series so i'm really glad to hear you say that it gets back to business especially if story is not a big concern, because I felt like it's never been an interesting part of the game. I, I really have just liked being set free, being able to do what you want to do, explore the levels, kill a guy the way you want to kill him. And just like just that core gameplay is fine. That is that is the meat of why you're coming to Hitman in the first place. I mean, if you're coming to Hitman for the story, you you are coming to Hitman for the wrong reasons. So um, I'm sorry to derail you so hard. Let's get back on track and tell us about this most recent episode. You said something about uh, being in Japan. Yeah, so um, each episode takes place in a different country. The first one was Paris. The second one is Italy. And then uh, Morocco, Colorado. Um, I think uh, I'm missing one. Um, but it's it's irrelevant. The new one is Japan. It's in the snowy, snowy mountains of Japan. There's like this really cool like exclusive you know super rich hospital that's up like on the mountainside and it like extends out over the snowy mountains over water and it's just gorgeous and one thing because i've been reviewing every single episode of hitman for game critics as they've come out so if you've been if listeners if you've been reading my review or if you want to go look at all of them i've been doing all them but the funny thing is the last episode colorado one of the things that i kind of knocked it for was that it's interesting to me that they're doing a different country for every mission because sometimes the country like they picked colorado they had all of the united states and then they picked colorado for for the the mission that came out before japan and it didn't feel like like colorado i don't know how you make something feel like colorado but it didn't feel that there were like some mountains in the distance and that was about as colorado as it got and so i kind of complained about that a tiny bit but japan i mean i don't know how much of it is like stereotyping japan because they're all wearing like robes and like sandals with socks like you know how they do in japan it makes me think of kill bill a little bit but um it's kind of like that but it's just like it it really i mean i've never been to japan so i can't say but playing it it feels like japan it feels like what i think japan should be whether that's based on stereotypes or not but i like what they're doing with the setting for this one um it, it just makes sense rather than saying japan and it not feeling that way i don't know if that makes sense to you it does, but let me ask you a question, because this kind of makes me think about, um, I don't know which game it was, it might have been Blood Money, but there was one mission where Agent 47 had to infiltrate like a triad hideout, and I thought it was the most absurd thing, where if he took the right outfit, this big, 
six foot, you know, seven foot tall, bald, white guy would just like put on like uh, like a Chinese style jacket and he would walk into Triad headquarters. I was like, no fucking way, because you know what? I don't care what clothes you're wearing. You don't look like a Chinese person. That is not going to fly. So please tell me that he does not like, you know, put on a kimono and like walk around like a samurai in this because that's going to be ridiculous. Does he does he disguise himself as a Japanese person at any point in this mission? Well, no, but the kind of catch all for this mission, which is pretty smart, is the fact that even though it takes place in Japan and a lot of the hospital staff are Japanese or of like Asian descent, because it's an exclusive hospital that people all over the world go to, there are plenty of the clientele in the hospital itself are like white people or, you know, like some black people and stuff. So it's not like 100% of the people in the hospital are Japanese. And then you like Mr. White Guy, Agent 47, comes like rushing in to like look Japanese. So that's kind of the good way that they kind of stepped around it because a lot of the clientele is not Japanese that's in the uh, that's in the hospital itself. Okay, well, that makes that makes sense then. So. Um, do you feel like as a conclusion to this, I guess what we're going to be calling season one now, do you feel like it was a good conclusion or did you just feel like just another mission? I think it was a really good mission. And I've been trying to decide in my head if I think because the episode two, which is the Italy mission, is by far the best one um, out of the season, I think. I don't know if that's like c- concluded in the review sphere or not, but it's by far my favorite one. And I think that the season finale might actually be my second favorite i think um i just think it's good it's not is it's not as big because the second episode is probably the biggest one like like location wise there's plenty of space to move around but the new the season finale i mean it's just in a hospital so i mean it's big like there's definitely it's got several floors there's like an outdoor garden there's like a little restaurant there's a like a spa with like a yoga area and there's like a little mountain you can walk up next to the hospital so, but it's still, it's just kind of like one giant building and a little bit of outdoor space. Um, but I mean, if I, I don't know if people are looking for giant physical locations when they come to Hitman games, but uh, I, I think it's probably my second favorite episode of the season. So I would definitely say it went out on a high note. It's not as good as episode two, but I still was very satisfied whenever I came to it and played it. Okay, cool, cool. So since you are a Hitman aficionado, as am I, let me ask you this then. Out of the entire series, do you have one mission in particular that stood out to you as like the best of Hitman or the best the best time you had with Agent 47 or the coolest thing you pulled off? Is there one particular part of, of, of the entire series that stands out to you? Oh man, that's tough. You always ask me the hard questions, Brad. Jeez. Well I'll go for, I'll give you a minute to think about it, because mine is pretty pretty easy to grasp in my mind because it's it's been my favorite for a long time. Uh, and it was, I'm pretty sure it was in Silent Assassin, which was the very first one that released for console, and it was the second one in the series total. Um, it's one of the very earliest ones where you go to, like, an English manor. Like, you arrive in a boat, and you uh, walk up this little, uh, into a garden or something, and there's, like, a, a barn, there's, like, an outbuilding, a couple outbuildings, and there's, like, a manor off in the distance. And the guy that you're there to kill is, like, the lord of the manor. And the thing that I just remember so fondly about it was, like, there were just so many ways to kill that guy i mean that was really the first time that i had really gotten like a full taste of what hitman could do and i just loved being able to walk around the grounds like you could walk up to the barn and there was a sniper rifle so if you got the sniper rifle you could shoot that guy all the way across the grounds when he walked in front of his window or you could uh, walk to his basement you could like put poison in his wine or you could like walk up to the roof and you could drop a can of gasoline into it down his chimney into his fireplace and blow him up or you could like stuff a pillow on his face and suffocate him 
or you could dress up like as a butler and walk around and serve people drinks and, you know, see people doing their thing. I mean, that to me was like one of the coolest things, but I think the really coolest thing was just the ability to like be done with it, like shoot him once and be done. And like, if you shot him from that, that outbuilding, you would finish the mission and it would be great. But like, there's like this entire like miniature world you'd be missing out on. And it was really cool that the developers gave you the option to miss out on it rather than forcing you to go all the way through it. Uh, of course, if you did go through it, there was lots of rich content there and it was really cool and lots of adventure to be had. But I just loved how it was like, if you want to just kill this guy and just GTFO, fucking do it and go. And I just, I just thought that was such a bold design choice. So that stands out to me. I don't know the name of that mission, but I think most people who played Hitman probably remember that mission. That it's um, the Beldingford Manor from Hitman Contracts. Is that what it was? Yep. Okay. If that's what it was, that's what it was. Your memory is probably better than mine on that account. But what about you, Corey? I've given you a few minutes to kind of uh, review your mental notes. What, uh, what, what's the highlight of Hitman for you? Uh, see, this is. I still think this is a tough question to answer, but one of my favorites and this might be a favorite because i remember it from early on is from hitman 2 uh which is silent assassin where you are see and i'm not going to be able to to oh it's the basement killing um i think that's what this one is called it's the one where you're in the office building in kuala lumpur and you have to there's like a computer hacker in the basement of the corporate headquarters and you have to go down and kill him and this is going to sound really sick but my favorite thing about the mission was uh, there are two restrooms on the sides of the of like the lobby and people would just go in and out and use them as they wanted to and one thing that i liked to do and this is going to make me sound like a psychopath is um i would go in the restrooms and basically kill as many people as i could as they were like using the restrooms without <laughs> with, like without being detected because i was always fascinated because you know in hitman like things can go tits up like really fast if you fuck something up or if someone sees a dead body like you might be fucked so I was like, well, let's see how many people I can kill if I, and like stay as quiet as possible. And I and I would always get like the sociopath rating because back in the day they would give you different named ratings for the the missions you completed. Um, so that's one of like <laughs> that sounds I sound like a sick fuck right now, but that's one of my favorite early memories from Hitman. But I think in Hitman Blood Money, the uh, there's a mission where there's like a guy under uh, police protection. And like a and like a uh, suburban neighborhood, I think that's a good mission too because you have to like kill his wife and him, and you can like light the grill on fire, and she like catches on fire and like jumps into the pool, and her, basically it's like her barbecued body in the pool, and she has a necklace you have to pull <laughs> off of her, and that's a really good mission too because it's kind of like slice of life. You have like the whole city block and all the the houses, and there's like a woman like trimming her hedges across the street, and there's like a clown for a birthday party, and I just feel like it's a nice. It's a nice world and hitman does a really good job of doing of just like p building very small slices of world for you to exist in and there's so much more going on in them than just the single mission at hand whether it's npc dialogue or you know just like people doing stuff in the distance or you know, there's just like a lot of things happening and if you ignore that i feel kind of sad because I feel like they put a lot of character and a lot of thought into every single mission and build like a nice little world. And it's easy to miss it. Like you said earlier, if you just kind of want to get in and get out, but that's one reason why I love Hitman is because it, it, it wants you to play the missions multiple times to come to like different conclusions on how you can kill people. Or maybe you want to go loud or go quiet. And I totally do that. Every time a new episode of Hitman comes out for the episodic version, I will spend like two days straight just playing the missions over and over and over and over again, trying to do it as many different ways as I can to earn as many of the gear rewards as I can. And I think it's just, 
just really smart design and like i said earlier no other developer has made anything like hitman at all ever and i think it's just bananas that nobody has made anything like this because it's such an excellent concept and like and i just love that iowa interactive is giving to me iowa interactive is giving it to me because nobody else does and i love it and i feel like their game is nearly perfect excellent excellent yeah i I am definitely looking forward to getting into it. It was on my list to play this year, but now that I'm hearing you talk about it, I think that maybe I want to bump it up a notch and maybe I'll get to it a little bit sooner, uh, especially when it comes time for game of the year discussions. So, okay, cool. We uh, covered Hitman pretty, pretty thoroughly there, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Sorry. Uh, I talked so much about it. uh, No, I love hearing about Hitman anytime. I love that series for sure. So that was, uh, was that the sixth episode? Um, oh god. Now you're going to throw me off. I think it is the the 6th, maybe the 7th cuz they put out a summer bonus episode in the summer too, so I don't know if we would count that or not. Well, regardless, that is the final episode of what we know now as season 1 and I do believe that you are correct in saying that the hard copy disc is going to be coming out really soon in the next month or two. So go ahead and check out Hitman if you like to kill people quietly as we all do. Uh moving on, uh, I will take center stage here and talk about uh, something I've been playing. Spider, Rite of the Shrouded Moon. Why do you uh, always th- play games that have such ridiculous titles? Dude, I know! I actually had somebody else make that exact same comment to me. <laughs> and I don't know why that is. I guess just because I like to play things that are weird and interesting. And maybe the people who make those games want to make their games sound as weird and interesting as possible. So maybe they give them these really long subtitles, but... Anyway, Spider, Right of the Shrouded Moon is put out. It's developed by Tiger Style, and it is on iOS, PC, Vita, and PS4. As one might guess, you are a spider. I don't know how the Shrouded Moon comes into it, but you're a spider. Uh, and basically, you hatch on like a, a weather vane, and then you start crawling towards the house. You go through a little tutorial, and the game teaches you how to be a spider. And in this particular case, it means a lot of jumping and a lot of making webs. The point of each level is that you get a chunk of a house. Like in the beginning, you're like in a garage or something like that. And there's like a little roof section. There's like an indoor section. And the game is displayed in a 2D side-scrolling fashion. So you crawl around and you see lots of different bugs in the area. And you can either jump and catch some of the bugs. Some bugs can be caught midair. Some bugs need to be trapped in your web. And so you have to make these geometric webs between points in the environment. For example, if there's like a wall and a chair, you can uh, like anchor your web to the wall, jump to the chair, and it leaves like a little trail of web behind you. Then you anchor that to the chair and jump back to the wall. And then that's like the second leg of your web. And then you got to jump one more time. If you make like a triangle or a square or a rectangle or any kind of geometric shape, the space in between your lines like immediately fills in with like a spider web pattern. And that becomes the thing that you can catch bugs in. So ideally... You want to observe the environment, uh, look around, get a feel for where the bugs are, set up a web in a place where you think they're going to pass through, and then you either wait for them to come get stuck in your web, or you can go and chase them into your web. Uh, And that's it. It's a pretty simple, pretty straightforward. I really like it because uh, it is an oddball kind of game. I mean, I can't think of too many games where you play as a spider, especially one where, like, basically all you're doing is catching bugs. I mean, there's been a few games in the past. There was one that came out on PlayStation 1, it must be, I don't know, 15 years ago or something, 
But in that game, you were a spider, and, like, one of your legs was, like, a machine gun, and one was, like, a blowtorch, and, it, like, you were platforming, but it was shitty, and it was really too hard, and it was crap. So I've, I've been waiting for a really well-done spider game, and this one feels great, for the most part, for the most part. Just walking around, jumping from place to place uh, is really nice, and I must say that you are a cute little jumping spider. I don't know if you know a lot about spiders, Corey, uh, but I know a fair amount about spiders, and I generally don't like them. But jumping spiders, I think, are pretty cute because their bodies are usually pretty small and compact. They don't have those really super long, creepy legs. They don't sit around in disgusting webs. And they're usually pretty colorful. Like, and they can jump around. I feel like they're kind of like nature's most honest spider, I guess, because he gets out there and works for a living. Like, tracks his prey down, jumps around. You know, uh, kind of like the hunting, the hunting animal of the spider kingdom. Rather than just being like one of those creepos that, like, makes a weird web in the corner of your house and he's gross and you gotta, like, get him out of there because it's just skeeving you out. So I, I'm okay with jumping spiders, I guess. So it helps me that he is a jumping spider. And just being in this environment where everything is huge is really fun. Like you can crawl around a piano, crawl around a stack of dishes, you crawl in the ceiling, and, you know, you just feel like this tiny little thing in a big house. It's a really neat idea. So I'm into it, playing it on Vita, and it looks fine on Vita. I also tried it on PS4. It looks better on PS4 just because the screen is so much bigger. But I think it's... It looks fine either way. And overall, I would basically recommend it, except for the fact that this game actually kind of runs like shit, which is really disappointing. Uh, the biggest problem with Spider is that the developers had this idea to have the game check your real-world location to see what your weather was like. So as you boot up the game, it'll say, looking out your window, and then it connects to, like, whatever... I don't know what it connects to, PSN or something... And it gets like a weather report. So like for me, it would be like Seattle, nighttime, rainy night. And then it populates the, the levels that you're in with whatever bugs come out on a rainy night. Apparently there's a variety of bugs and you must like, you know, catch some during the nighttime, catch some during the day. Like if you're going for the collect them all kind of thing where you catch like one of each bug or something, which seems like an okay, neat idea, except that it fucking kills the game. I, I took it on the Vita and I took it with me to work. And in that particular location where I was working, I did not have a Wi-Fi connection. And so the game kept trying and trying and trying and trying and trying to connect. And it just wouldn't connect because there was no Wi-Fi. And I couldn't play the game. And it was like, oh, my fucking God, will you guys please just give me a skip function? And it seems like at one point a skip function did show up. But then I hit it and it still was trying to check. And I've gone into the settings to try to turn that whole thing off. And even when you turn it off, it still tries to check. So it, like, really killed the portability of that. And on top of that, just going through the menus is really clunky. Like, you can tell it's chugging. Like, I guess these guys don't know a lot about console development. Maybe it runs better on iOS. I don't know. But, like, oh, my God. Like, just getting through the menus is really slow and chunky. And they don't give you a lot of information. Like, I wanted to look at a level that I've done to see, did I catch all the bugs in this one, yes or no? And, like, there's just no clear information. Did I, did I clean this one out? Did I not clean this one out? What's my best score? Like, it just is not designed properly. So, like, actually playing the game as a little spider jumping around is awesome. I think it's really, really fun. But everything else about the game, like, just the way it runs, the way that it goes through the menus, the way it tries to connect to PSN is awful. It's just really awful. And it, it actually got so bad to the point where I just turned it off because I got so sick of it trying to connect to, to PSN that I just, I just couldn't play it. So that, to me, like, utterly defeats the point of playing it on a Vita. A bummer, because I really would want to give this one a sterling recommendation, and I just I just kind of can't, you know? 
Have you uh, have you heard of this, Corey? Have you seen anything at all about Spider? Or it's uh, it had another one on iOS too, which actually was a pretty big hit a while ago, a couple years ago. Have you heard of it? No, but I have I have some thoughts and some questions for you about this game. Hit me. Okay, first of all, spiders are not cute. They are not to be respected, especially jumping spiders, <laughs> because spiders are terrifying and they're creepy. And I do not know what in the world you're saying when you're like, oh, spiders are, it's a cute, colorful spider. No, Brad, spiders are terrifying. (laughs) They're not, they're not, you're not supposed to appreciate them. You're supposed to catch them and throw them out of your house or sick your cats on them or something. That's my first thought. My second thought is this game sounds like a combo of, I can't remember what it's called, but the game with Yarny that came out on PlayStation 4. Un- Unravel. It sounds like if you took Unraveled and Limbo and Sim Ant on the Super Nintendo and combined them, this game would be their love child. How accurate is that? <laughs> That's actually not too bad. That's a pretty good combination. I think it's very lightweight and very um, it, it, it's 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 there's no consequences for anything. So like if I don't think you can even die, or maybe you can die if you run out of webbing or something. But you know, it's just like you just reload. It's not it's not sad like Unravel was. But I think in terms of mechanics, that's a pretty fair, that's a pretty fair estimation. Okay, and I have two more thoughts. Go for it. If you're playing the game in Antarctica, will the spider just wither and die because there's no bugs to be eaten in Antarctica? That is a really good question. I don't think there is an Antarctica level, unless it's maybe DLC later. No, I mean, I if you... you're, like, physically in Antarctica and it's, like, checking oh, the weather. Oh, 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 like if it checks the weather? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Inter- uh, I, I don't know. Do they have Wi-Fi in Antarctica? Maybe it would never be able to check. I don't know. I don't know either. That's something that I thought of when you were talking about this. And the last thing, the last thought I have is, is there a level where this is going to be like that mosquito game on PlayStation 1? Is there a level where you are the spider and you're just on the ceiling in somebody's bathroom while they're in the shower taunting them? That would be a badass level. You're thinking of Mr. Mosquito, which came out on, was it PS... It was PS2, wasn't it? Was it PS2? I think... I love Mr. Mosquito. That was like the most fucking batshit insane, oh my <laughs> god, I can't believe they brought this to America kind of game. Mr. Mosquito was the shit. Uh, no, but in this in this game, they kind of have it set up that you are in an abandoned mansion. So they... I guess there's like a mystery, but I don't understand why a spider would want to unravel a mystery, because he's a fucking spider. He just wants to eat bugs. So I don't know how the mystery part is incorporated because it doesn't make sense to me. But I think that there's not going to be any people, although that would be a pretty cool, pretty cool level. I suspect, though, that based on the way the game plays and the way the game is designed, I kind of have my doubts as to whether the developers have enough technical skill to pull something like that off. And I don't mean that to be insulting. And I realize it probably sounds pretty insulting, but but just based on what they presented, uh, everything is pretty static in that game and the way that the art is the way the spider moves i would doubt if they have the skill to make something like so complicated about showing up on somebody in the shower i don't know if they could do it but that would be a cool level i don't think so though which seems like a missed opportunity i don't think that would be a cool level because that is like my childhood fears in a nutshell is like being in the shower and seeing like a spider on the ceiling and then you look away for three seconds and you look up and the spider is gone and you're wondering where it went and then you're looking in every corner of the room terrified because you know it's going to jump out and bite you and kill you. That is like all what all of my fears are made of right there. So this game does not sound like anything I would ever want to play. Oh my god, dude. You should never spend the night at my house because we have a pretty severe spider problem in the summertime and I, it drives me crazy. Um, we get like some really... 
disgusting big ones and they often show up in the shower so don't ever stay here well i okay you're talking to someone who lives in the midwest we have brown recluses i have lived in an apartment that was infested with brown recluse spiders once and it was not it was not i mean i never got bit nothing ever happened but it was not a good situation for me and i uh like one night whenever i went to bed i got in the bedroom and for some reason or another i flipped my pillow over before i got in bed and guess what was on the other side of my pillow it was a big fucking brown recluse spider and Ugh. i'm not i'm not into it brad this game sounds like nothing i'd ever want to touch with like a 100 foot pole all right well we're gonna leave it there i think <laughs> spider is a really cool idea and honestly i've had some good times with it it's a shame about the technical side but i think it's still worth checking out also You can get the original game on iOS, and that actually ran just fine on the iPhone. So maybe check it out if you want to, you know, play as a cute little jumping spider. Um, Looking at the time, we talked a little bit more about Hitman than I thought we were. I'm going to make some quick changes to our agenda. We're going to jump straight into Titanfall 2. Um, As I said at the top of the show, fair warning, we are going to be spoiling the campaign for Titanfall 2. We're going to be spoiling it right now. If you have not finished Titanfall 2 and you're going to... Or if you are the kind of person who cares about spoilers, please uh, pause the show and come back after you finish that because we are going to be getting into every aspect of it. Uh, No holds barred. So this is your final warning. And we are going to be talking about Titanfall 2. So, Titanfall 2. Corey, last week, I had gotten about maybe two-thirds of the way through. At that time, you hadn't received it from Gamefly yet. And since then... You had informed me that you had played the campaign and finished it. So let's talk about it. Why don't you start off with your general impressions, and then we're going to get into the story. So uh, what did you think of Titanfall 2? Okay, general impressions are it is good. It is not as magical as everybody on the internet makes you think it is, but it's still good. It's a good game. It's a good campaign. But everybody on the internet is kind of acting like this is like the second coming of Christ, and I don't think that's the case here. But I do think it's good some overall impressions that I really like about it is that the campaign itself is it's just like fun and delightful and colorful and it even though the story is kind of serious it's all like, I mean the story is basically like oh somebody's going to use this time travel machine to like blow up an entire planet we have to stop them which is the story of like half of action games and movies like ever existed but it's it doesn't take itself too seriously and it's not like brown and drab and like gritty and boring it's just like it's fun and it's colorful and it's fast and it's easy to move around and those are the things that i like about it because a lot of action games don't do that it kind of reminds me of like bullet storm in a way where it's just like you're just kind of here to have a good time and have fun in this colorful world and then you know gtfo whenever you're done but those are some things that i really like about it yeah, I agree. I really like the use of color. Like, I, I'm so tired of brown things uh, in games, especially first-person shooters. It's just, like, so tired and so old. Graphics today, you can you can show more than, like, four colors. So I did appreciate the visuals in that sense. I also really like that they weren't afraid to let things go. Like, each level, to me, seemed like it had kind of its own theme. Like, in the beginning, it was kind of boring, just, like, whatever. But you really quickly go into an area that is, like, kind of Portal-esque, where it's, like, moving platforms and... They're, they're kind of making these rooms on the fly, like in the boss the boss uh, encounter is like this like testing facility that they assemble like right in front of you. And I thought that was really neat. The next level is the one where you get a time travel device strapped to your hand. And so you can travel back and forth through two different zones. And it's funny because, you know, as we were as I was playing this, I was like, man, how are they going to keep this fresh? And then, you know, they don't. They do it for a level and then you play it and then they're done and they move on. And like, you know, 
a later level like has like really strong winds and one has uh different types of platforms that you have to jump from um I, i'm not doing it justice here but they really do a great job of making each level feel pretty fresh i mean did you did you notice that also like was that a big a big selling point for you yeah i mean i wouldn't say that personally i wouldn't say that they made every single level feel fresh because the be the first like two or three levels in the last like two or three levels are kind of just like standard action fair but the ones that you talk about are definitely the best because the the mission where you're on the assembly line that's like basically building these houses that one's really fun the effect and cause level which is the time travel one it happens right in the middle of the campaign and it's definitely in my opinion the best mission in the campaign and i think that's sort of like the general consensus on the internet it's really well done and it kind of solidifies in my opinion the fact that titanfall 2 the best moments in titanfall 2 for me are ones that aren't about just shooting a bunch of dudes uh like you know in a row and some of the best missions are the ones where you're not just shooting a bunch of people and the time travel mission is definitely one of those and the cool thing is like halfway through that mission you get the ability to shift between the past and present uh with the press of a button and it's so cool because instead of you know, if they if a bunch of enemies come pouring out instead of shooting all of them or, you know, engaging in gunfights, I would actually just click the time travel button, move to the other time where there were no enemies. And then when enemies showed up in that time zone, I would click it again. So I was like strategically using the time shift element to evade the enemies rather than fight them and then move on to the different time zone. And I thought that it was clever that the game would let me do that rather than just be like, all right, here's a room with 50 guys, shoot them all. And then you can time travel after that. I think it was paced super well. Absolutely. I totally agree about that. And it's interesting. I do definitely agree with your point where you say that some of the most interesting parts of the game are when you're not shooting. I felt that exact same thing because there were often a number of times during the campaign where I would like sit for a second and I would go, there are no enemies here. This is a shooter and I'm in a place where there's no enemies. And rather than being upset that there was nothing to shoot, I'd be like, this is awesome. (laughs) Like I'm just parkouring through these walls or I'm just taking in this environment or there's just like some interesting structure that I'm looking at or something. I mean, there's definitely enemies. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, you're going to shoot shit for sure. But there was definitely a large percentage of the time when there was just like nothing to shoot. And that was so fucking refreshing. I just, I really enjoyed that part of it very, very, very much. Um, But I will say one thing that I did not appreciate, and I really want to hear what you think about this, Corey, is that I felt like this campaign, this story mode had so much potential to be a really cool like buddy story or to really have some strong emotional beats. I mean, when I saw the trailer from E3, and that was a great trailer, by the way. Go back and see that on YouTube if you haven't seen it. But it's really well cut, and it really gives you a good idea of what's going on in the story mode. And watching that trailer, I was like, oh, my God. Like, that looks like so you and your Titan, and the Titan has AI. Oh, my God. And, like, you guys are going to be friends. And he's not just, like, this big gun that you point at things. And... Oh, you know, of course he's going to die because that's what's going to happen in the story because what else is going to happen? But like like the journey to get there, oh, I bet I'm going to cry. Like I might cry, you know, <laughs> like I was getting ready to cry. And when I played the campaign, I was like, ah, what happened? Like I was so I was reaching for a box of Kleenex with the trailer. And when I played the campaign, I was like, I don't like the main character. He's boring. I thought that BT, your, your Titan, was actually pretty boring. I was really missing any kind of like deeper attachment like there was many points during the campaign when i felt like they could really pull over and just let those guys talk now there's definitely some some sequences where you're you're talking you're making a couple really uh simple dialogue choices and some of them are funny which is great but 
it just didn't go far enough for me. Like, I really wanted to like BT more. Like, I thought I would. I am the kind... If anybody is going to be best friends with a robot, it's me, dude. Like, it is totally me. I'm ready for a robotic best friend. And, like, this game just did not touch those emotional centers for me. I just was really detached. And when I got to the end of the game, uh, and BT, like, they fake you out at first, and he dies, and I'm like, eh, I knew that was coming. And then he comes back, and then he really dies, and I'm like, well, that was dumb. Why'd you fake me out only to kill him, really? But I didn't really care. And interestingly, it didn't seem like anybody else fucking gave a shit either. Like, your 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 main character is like, oh, well, it's gonna be weird getting a new Titan. Whatevs. And then, like, nobody cares that he's dead, that nobody cares that he was, like, instrumental in saving the world or whatever. He's just, like, this smoking wreck, and they just move on. And I'm like, what? Like, nope. Like, he just died without any recognition. And maybe that's a statement about how society views Titans in the future. But for me, it felt really fucking dissatisfying. I mean, what did you feel about on the emotional side? Well, as far as BT dying at the end, I feel like what you just said is what I was thinking as you said it. I feel like in the future, the Titans are maybe so disposable that it's kind of like in our day and age whenever, like, your dishwasher goes out or something and you're like, ah, fuck, I have to go buy a new one. Like, that's probably maybe what they think about Titans in the future. Like, they're not, uh, you know, like, emotionally attached to them, maybe. But uh, I didn't feel... I actually thought that some of the character stuff... I mean, it definitely could have been way better. Like, don't get me wrong. But I thought a lot of it was actually pretty funny, um, even though it's a little bit few and far between because the game gives you every once in a while dialogue options. Like, you get to pick one of two things to say to BT... And there's always, like, kind of, like, the serious thing you can say, and then there's, like, the funny thing you can say. And some of it I actually thought was really clever. Like, I mean, not maybe saying really clever is giving it a too, too much credit, but maybe it's just because I wasn't expecting the game to be clever or funny in any way, shape, or form. So even, like, the slightest bit of humor I thought was funny. Like, there's one part where you can say something about, like, like, oh, I'm on a hot streak or something, and then BT is, like, I do not detect an elevation in your body temperature. And it just, like, made me laugh because it's such, like, something that a robot would say. Like, it just kind of cracked me up. Um, and, like, there's parts in the campaign where the Titan literally, like, picks you up in his big hand and, like, throws you across platforms. And the first time they do it, it's uh, Cooper, who's the main character. The pilot is very apprehensive about it. And it's just funny because, like, BT picks you up and he, like, points his finger like he's an Olympian about to throw a javelin. And he's, like... He, like, says, like, the wind direction and the temperature and, like, the degrees, the angle that he needs to throw you. And I just thought it was really funny. And then whenever you get back from the throw, Cooper, like, he, he does thumbs ups. It's just kind of, like, his thing. He, like, gives BT a thumbs up. And then you can see BT's hand stretch out. And he, like, struggles for a second to turn his, like, big mechanical titan arm into a thumbs up motion. And I thought it was really cute. I mean, I agree with you that it could have been better but I feel like you could probably say that about just about any game, that it could be better, that the dialogue could be better. Um, but for what it was, I actually thought it was pretty satisfying. All right. All right. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't bad. Like, I don't mean to say that it was bad. It wasn't bad by any means. But it's just like, I felt like, as someone who spends a lot of time writing and thinks about this kind of thing, I felt like there was a lot of opportunities where it could have been beefed up. And I was just really kind of sad that it wasn't. I mean, I guess, I, I wonder if they were kind of straddling the line between keeping like the hardcore FPS fans happy, you know, keeping the emotion out of it, just keep it about the guns, shoot some guys, I don't want to talk about feelings, and then making it too much of like an emo kind of game where you would talk about how you felt and, you know, you know, Cooper, let us discuss the results of last combat. How do you feel? You know, like maybe that would be too much for some people. I don't know. I mean, ah, I just kind of wished it was a little bit, I wish it hit me in the feels a little bit more because I feel like it would have stuck with me. I didn't like that feeling of 
getting to the end and just feeling like, yeah, I'm done. Like, you know, I didn't really think about it very much. I didn't go back to my favorite moments in the game. I just kind of felt like I just wrapped it and I just moved on, which to me felt like, uh, I wish there was more to it, more opportunity for that. But well, oh, well, then, um, there's something else I want to say too. One thing that disappointed yeah, yeah. me about the game personally, um, and maybe it's because I'm not, I, I just wasn't as good maybe as I should have been, but basically any section of the game where you are kind of forced to be, you're not forced to, but you're highly, um, persuaded maybe, uh, to, to be in the Titan and do these like big Titan battles. I thought they were really hard. Like anytime I was inside BT and like fighting these big battles against Titans, I was dying like every 30 seconds. And I, I, and it's probably because maybe I didn't know how to like effectively use the Titan. Cause you use them a little bit differently than you would if you were just running around, like you have your main gun and there's different loadouts you unlock over the game. And each loadout has like a different main gun, a different, like, secondary attack and then there's like a passive attack where you can like cloak and then you can dash and there's like a mega attack where you build up your your uh like i guess you like build up a meter and then you can unleash like a big massive attack and every loadout has a different one and i didn't find myself wanting to experiment with the loadouts so i would find like one that worked for me and i would use it and then i would get into a big titan battle and it was obvious that the loadout i was using was not optimal for whatever battle i was in so then i'd have to go to the menu and look at the different loadouts and the descriptions for each item for each like kind of attack thing each button press on the loadouts aren't really that descriptive and so i would load up a new one and i would be like experimenting with the loadout in the middle of a giant titan fight and i would keep dying and it just kind of left a bad impression on me in some of the fights, especially toward the end of the game. You're there are a, couple, a few sections where you're you have to play as uh, Cooper inside BT, and I just kept dying all the time. And I'm like, okay, if I'm in like a fucking gigantic Titan that has like all these loadouts and all these missiles and these guns and it can like hover and shoot rockets, I should not be dying every thirty seconds. This just doesn't feel right to me. And that was just something that kind of turned me off about certain sections of the game. Like I would just keep dying, and then I would like throw my hands up in the air and be like are you fucking serious and then you know reload and play it again and die and reload and die and i i and maybe like i said i just wasn't that good at it but um did you have any experiences like that when you were playing it yeah for sure i they give you like six or eight loadouts throughout the course of the game and they're all fairly different in the way that they handle i tended to stick with just like one or two that i felt very comfortable with like it was like the very first one that you get like the stock stock bt options and then there was one where you had kind of like a, I don't know, like a flaming grenade launcher or something. And I felt like that one worked pretty well. So I would jump back and forth between just those two because, you know, completely reassigning what your buttons do in the middle of a campaign is really disorienting. And if you're not a person who picks that stuff up instantly, it can really throw you off to like hit the R1 button and think it's going to be missiles. And then it's like a shield or something. And you're like, oh, shit, that was the wrong thing. And now I'm messed up. And uh, when I got to one of the final battles at the end where you're fighting the... Um, the mech who like kind of flies around. Oh my God. One that, like, I hated that part. Yeah, that was my that was the toughest one for me because I wasn't too familiar with the other loadouts, and the ones that I was familiar with didn't really work for him too well. So I really had to very quickly experiment with the other loadouts and find out. I mean, I'm like, okay, so clearly one of these is meant to kill this guy. Which one is it? I don't know. Let's find out. And I died like six or eight times trying to figure out what setup was going to work. And once I found the right setup, I killed him like the very next time. But just that feeling of like, okay, I'm not familiar with these weapons at all is really very, uh, it, it's kind of bizarre. And that kind of carries over to the multiplayer. I don't know if you have played the multiplayer very much or not. I put, I played it for maybe two or three days 
And I found that same problem coming up where you have like six or eight different Titans, but I would stick with just like the one because I really wanted to learn it really well. And, you know, depending on who you're up against or what's going on, maybe that's not the optimal loadout, but I didn't find myself really switching between Titans that much because it just was really hard for me to wrap my head around it. I mean, of course, I haven't played it as as, as much as some other people have. I'm sure some people uh, can get used to it, no problem. But for me, it was a little bit difficult to get used to the loadout. So that was true in the campaign as well as the multiplayer. And I guess I'm wondering, did you... You probably didn't spend too much time in the multiplayer, did you? I haven't spent any time in the multiplayer. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's interesting because you, you go in, you pick your mech, you pick your pilot, and they all have different loadouts. The pilots do too. And then stuff gets unlocked as you play. So, like, if I would go into a match and I was playing somebody who was, like, level 30, like, the shit they had was better. Like, I mean, maybe not, like, night and day better, but somebody who's got a faster fire rate, faster reload rate, or they have, like, a different shield type or something, I felt like was really, like, walking all over me. And it was kind of a discouragement. I I, I think I may have mentioned this on the last show, but I really like uh, something like Overwatch where everybody has the same loadout no matter what. And it's just about are you good enough? So you don't have to worry about unlocking a better gun or unlocking more health or anything like that. You just play. I think that's a great philosophy. And that was something that I wished kind of was in Titanfall because I was seeing these people who were like 10, 20, 30 levels ahead of me. And I was just like, well, they just they just kicked my ass. And maybe I'm not a good player. I mean, I, I guarantee I'm not the best player out there by any means. But I don't know. I just kind of I felt like some people had an advantage and I just don't have enough time to put into it. So. I bailed pretty quickly on the multiplayer because I'm just not going to get that good. I'm not going to unlock that much stuff and it's not fun to be somebody's target. So multiplayer did not have legs for me, but I really did like the campaign. And as I said before, I didn't want to oversell it last time we talked about this. I think it's great. Not, not wonderful. It's not magic. It's not, you know, like you said, it's not Christ's second coming, but I thought it was better than average and better than I expected. I mean, overall thumbs up for you, Corey. Yeah, definitely. Thumbs up. I mean, it's, it's good. I've been playing Battlefield and Titanfall 2 at the same time, and Titanfall 2 is, like, leagues ahead of Battlefield's campaign, as far as I'm concerned. I know they're not, like, that comparable, but as far as, like, just sitting down with a shooter and having fun, um, Titanfall has been really good. I like it a lot. I just wish that it weren't so hard, or maybe I just need to not be a baby and take the difficulty down a notch or something. <laughs> yeah, you know, I saw a tweet recently this week it was about difficulty levels and i want to say it was oh i think it was shooter was it shadow warrior 2 it might have been that where they tweeted the developers tweeted and they said hey um easy difficulty is for people who've had a long day at work and they want to come home and feel like a superhero it's not about (laughs) proving anything to anybody it's not about who's got the biggest balls it's about enjoying yourself with the game and that's really how i see it uh because i work long fucking days i'm tired when i get home And when I get home, I, you know, I have so little time to play. I don't want to be constantly defeated. I want to have fun. I mean, I've cut my teeth on difficult games in the past. I've, I've beaten so many games that are really hard, but I I just want to have fun now. And I'm totally not above kicking something down to easy and just feeling like Superman blowing through levels. I have no problem with that at all. So if that's where you're at, man, kick it to easy and just enjoy yourself, you know? Yeah, um, that's actually what I did because I started playing Battlefield a little bit more last night and that's something that happened to me. I was halfway through, we were talking about this in the last episode, but the guy who wears the armor suit, um, I, I decided to try the second half of his campaign again where he doesn't wear the suit and I died and I was like, okay, I'm just going to turn the difficulty from normal to easy. So I back out of the menu and I go in and I, I click it down to easy and this window pops up and it's like, changing difficulty mid campaign will restart all of your progress in this campaign section and i was like no 
I'm not doing this, so I moved on to a different campaign and played it on easy and beat it because I'm not very good at that game, I guess. And I was just like, come on, dudes. Like, I, I feel like every game should have, if it has a difficulty, it shouldn't delete like an hour's worth of your progress just for you to change the difficulty on it. So I was a little disappointed about that in Battlefield last night. That's ridiculous. So many games have dynamic difficulty where you can like change them like at any point without having to restart anything or at the very least maybe like go back like one checkpoint maybe it's not too bad but there's plenty of games where you can change it like on the fly i'm really surprised to hear that huh uh that would be pretty discouraging to me too because if there's one thing i hate in a game it's fucking losing progress man like no no way no thanks so yeah I was oh well oh well all right well i hate to say it man but i'm looking at the clock and we have come to the end of another episode of the so video games podcast um, that's going to do it for this, this week. Thank you very much to everyone for listening. And as always, please send us your thoughts, feedback, ideas, anything else you'd like to. Reach us at SoVideoGamesPodcast at gmail.com. Also on Twitter, at SoVideoGames. Apparently, Corey is much better at checking these accounts than I am. <laughs> Good on you, sir. Uh, but that's going to do it. Uh, so, bye from Brad. And bye from Corey. And we'll catch you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.